God is good, amen? Well, hey, I have two announcements for you. There's a lot more than two, so please uh, make sure you draw your attention to our programs. There's a lot of announcements in here. But two I want to cover today, uh, first and foremost, is Easter, Resurrection Sunday next week. We are not going to be meeting here. We have a new location that we're going to be meeting at. We're going to be meeting at Clackamas High School, 10 o'clock, and we have four things we'd love for each and every single one of us to do, and that would be come early and park far. We'd love it if you come expectant and just super stoked to have God move. Uh, number three would be come with someone, invite people, like neighbors, family members, coworkers, friends, you name it, invite them. Uh, and there's a bunch of invitations out in the back. Uh, and then last would be uh, be prepared to serve. We would love it uh, if, if we were all serving in some capacity. And then the second announcement is our Let's Talk Basics series that we're going to be doing. It's a six-week series here at Hillside. We're going to be doing it Sunday morning, starting the Sunday right after Easter, a six-week series here at Hillside. And here's the awesome thing. Every single life group is going to be doing their series based off of our Sunday morning sermons. And here's the really cool thing. Each and every single person here is going to get this awesome devotional booklet, uh, the Let's Talk Basics devotional booklet. We put it together. Uh, it's going to have response questions. It's going to have uh, daily devotionals for us that each and every person here at Hillside will be learning, studying, and doing the same thing for six weeks straight as we get down to the basics of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Amen? So first Sunday after Easter, everyone gets a booklet. So be ready to start taking notes. It's awesome. Pastor Dave. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Uh, there are an additional uh, seven or eight life groups that are beginning, and the, in the foyer are sign-up tables, and we, it would be our heart's desire that everyone who attends Hillside would be in a life group so that you could participate, and we as a fellowship could be participating together through each of those sermons as well as the questions that go with that. So we want to encourage you, if you're not currently a part of a life group, that you would stop by on your way out and sign up for a life group. The majority of them that are out there have the specific day and time that they will be meeting. Some of them are age-specific in that they are young adults or perhaps young professionals or young marrieds, but Men, and there are some that are women's and one at least that is men's, but there are many that are ready for anyone and everyone in the congregation. So please join with us and let's get back to basics. It's going to be a great time. All right. Uh, Palm Sunday. Let's see what time it is. I need a little bit of time. <laughs> we are going to, at the end of service today, have an opportunity uh, to come forward and to pray. We will be encouraging you in your faith today to trust the Lord, to believe the promises of God, and to stand on them in relationship to your sessions, those things that you are believing God for, we want to pray. And we'll take Palm Sunday, a, a, a day for us to be reminded of who God is. And if you, if you walked away with one truth 
today, remember this. God is faithful. He is faithful. And what's embodied in faithfulness is God is truthful, God is trustworthy, and God is tried and true. Tried and true. Time and time and time and time again. His word is true. His promises are enduring. His word will endure forever. That's good news for you and I. The works of God are this, to believe. To believe in the one whom the Father has sent, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld the only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ. He is the Word. And so we can believe the Word of God. He says, believing, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will be able to say to mountains, be thou removed and cast into the sea. You will be able to say to the mulberry bush, be uprooted and cast into the sea, and they will obey. And they will obey. And they will obey. Amen. Our fear is doubt. unbelief. We don't believe what God says. If we did, we'd see mountains move. Now that's a reality check, right? You came to church on Palm Sunday to get inspired and the pastor said, I don't believe it. Here's the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're not wishful thinking. We're not grasping at oil with our hands. We are laying hold of the promises of God. And we're standing in faith, believing what God's Word says. So, what you're believing for today, are you holding fast to the promise of God? Do you have a word from the Lord? A word from the Lord that seals the deal. It is so because God says so, declaring those things before they are. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the unseen. Oh, that we would believe. Amen? God, help us with our unbelief. I feel like that guy who's being prayed for. Do you believe? He says, yes, I believe. And I think we identify with that. And I believe that God wants to help us stand on the word of God. Amen.
turn your Bibles with me today. We're suspending our study in the book of Genesis, although we will refer to Genesis. We're suspending and we're going to the book of Luke this morning to read the narrative and the true account of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ the King. Let's begin in verse 28 on page 924 in my Bible. <laughs> Chapter 19, I'm sorry, thank you. Luke 19, verse 28. <laughs> it's the front row that's helping me get there. That's good. I love it. Here we go. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why you are loosing it, thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw, all, threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, that if these should keep silent, the stones wouldn't immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Father, in the next few moments, as we consider the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, we ask, Lord, that you would do that transformational work in our hearts first. Second, God, that you would strengthen our faith today. For as we look to the word, may faith be built up and may we be strengthened in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The story of the triumphal entry does not begin here in the first century in Luke chapter 19 or Matthew chapter 21 or Mark chapter 11. 
story of the triumphal entry has its roots several hundred years before the incarnation of Jesus Christ in the city of Babylon. The prophet Daniel was visited by the angel Gabriel. But it even has further roots that go back to, yes, our text from the last 32 weeks, Genesis. The fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, God made a promise that he would send a deliverer. He would send his Messiah, the one who would atone for the fallen nature of man. And so we're going to uh, have a quick Bible study, and we're going to go through are you ready for this? The entire Old Testament in five minutes. So put your seatbelts on. Get your foot on the accelerator. Roll your windows down, and let's get ready. We're going we're gonna to race through to get to Daniel while the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin are in captivity in Babylon, and Daniel, as an exile, is there in the court of the royal family of Persia, and he will receive a prophecy. And so, here we go. Are you ready? Genesis. The first 11 chapters of Genesis give us the history of the nations of the world. And it's during that time that there is the fall of man, Man is sent out to be fruitful and multiply, and Adam and Eve do just that, and they populate the world, but the world was corrupt and violent, and God sent the flood. He saved Noah and Noah's wife, their three sons, and three daughters in the ark. After the flood, the nations began to grow, and there was a world leader named Nimrod. He built the Tower of Babel. And it is at the Tower of Babel that God confused the languages and dispersed the people across the globe. So we have, for the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the history of the nations. Beginning in chapter 12 of Genesis, we have the call of one man. And the call of one man named Abraham, who will become the father of many nations. And it is through his Sons and the promise of God that Isaac is born, and through Isaac, ultimately Jacob is born, and Jacob becomes the father of 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob has an encounter with God one night and wrestles all night long, and it is there that God changes his name from being the conniver, supplanter, schemer to Israel. Ruled by God. Ruled by God. He went by being ruled by himself to being ruled by God. Oh, if only Israel would have stayed there. But they, through the 11th son, Joseph, ultimately the entire family enters into Egypt. Joseph was down in Egypt. And by, because of famine, the whole family goes down to Egypt, and it is there Joseph reveals himself, and they remain in Egypt. They enter into Egypt as a family for 
400 years of persecution will occur. And then God raises up a deliverer whose name was Moses. And this family, the Israelites, are now going to exodus Egypt as a nation. Several million strong. And so we go from Genesis to the book of Exodus. And we also have Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, part of the Pentateuch of the Bible, the first five books. And it is there. Leviticus is the law that was received by Moses, if you will, on Mount Sinai. And it's directed for the priests and the Levites who will guide them in their spiritual journey. Numbers is the book called The Wanderings. It's named Numbers because twice in the book they number the children of Israel. There at Sinai and another time in the plains. But it is the wanderings during the wilderness. And finally, Deuteronomy is literally five sermons that Moses gave as he was coming to an end of his life and handing the reins over to Joshua. Are you with me still? First five books of the Bible. There we go. Now we come to Joshua. Joshua is a book that is the conquest of this nation Israel going into the promised land, and it's their conquest. The first half of Joshua, all of the conquests of the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had promised all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The second half is the distribution of the land as the inheritance. There's a reason we stand with Israel There's a reason that we stand with Israel on whose land is the West Bank. There's a reason why we stand with Israel on whose land is the Gaza Strip. Because God says so. And when God speaks, people listen. For those of you who remember E.F. Hutton, the distribution of the land, it belongs to Israel. And so, from Joshua... We go to the book of Judges. And the next 450 years of Israel's history is a sad commentary. At least six, possibly seven times it is said and contained within the book of Judges that it is here that the people did what was right in their own eyes. There was no king. They were a people without a king. Even in their theocracy, God being their king, they did not identify him as king, and they wandered. So God sent them judges to bring them back into proper relationship. But they turned aside, turned aside, turned aside. If you do a study, you will likely in your own life be able to identify with the judges. Oh, we get things right with God sometimes, and then we wander. Then we get things right with God again, and then we wander. Then we get things right with God again, and then we wander. It's our tendency. That's why these things were written for us, Paul the Apostle in the New Testament says, for our admonition we can learn from Israel. How they, oh, they would have God as their king, and then not, yes, no, yes, no. And it's an adulterous nation, it is said of them. So for 450 years, they wandered, if you will. Then God sent Samuel, the last of the judges of Israel. And so we come to 1 and 2 Samuel. It's in 1 Samuel that the people of Israel say, give us a king to judge over us because you're old and your sons don't have the same heart as you do. Give us a king. 
Now please understand that it was always God's intention to move from a theocracy to a monarchy. That was his plan. He had already told Jacob in chapter 35 of Genesis that there are kings in your loins. He was telling him that sometime in the future you will be a monarchy. But the children of Israel said, give us a king now. Oh, how often do we say, God, give us patience now. I want answers now. Abraham did that. Isaac did that. Jacob did that. And it always causes problems. Have you noticed that when we get our hands in the mix? God gives us a promise, then we get our hands in the mix because we're like tired of waiting for God. Oh, come on, God, hurry up. And we get our hands in it trying to help God out, and it just kind of messes things up. And that's what the nation of Israel did again. And it just messed it up. They get Saul as king. You ought to ask yourself the question because in Genesis chapter 49, the kingly line comes from Judah. Saul is a Benjamite. Why would they get a king from Benjamin? Worthwhile question. We won't go there this morning because we don't have time. But 1 Samuel is the account. We go from judges, no king. 1 Samuel, man's king. Saul, the second Samuel, God's king, David. Hallelujah. Are you with me? That's when God intended to bring in the monarchy, when David was there. David, by the way, is the 10th generation of Judah, back from chapter 49, and you'll discover what Judah did in chapter 38 was really a bad deal that meant the line of Judah wouldn't be recognized until the 10th generation. That's part of why that all transpired. Now, all that to say, we go from 1 and 2 Samuel to 1 Kings and 2 Kings. So from David, it goes to Solomon... First Kings, the counts of Solomon, and from Solomon it goes to his son Rehoboam, and it's there with Rehoboam that the nation, the twelve tribes, split into two nations. Israel in the north, ten tribes, and in the south, Judah. Judah and Benjamin down in the south. Now, the northern tribes were not very good at all. In fact, they were terrible. There was not one good king. The majority of the minor prophets are all during those times. It's also the account of Elijah and Elisha. Judah wasn't much better. They had probably five good kings of the number of kings that they had. Not very good. In 722 B.C., the northern tribes were entirely wiped out by the Assyrian army. God prophesied that through the prophet Isaiah. He said... 65 years, and Ephraim will be no more. Ephraim was kind of the center of the northern tribes. They will, not, they will cease to be a people. And in 722 B.C., just as God said ahead of time, it occurred exactly. You can look it up in Encyclopedia Britannica or any other encyclopedia. It will tell you that the northern tribes were wiped out by the Assyrian armies in 722 B.C., exactly 65 years from when Isaiah said it would. God is trustworthy. Amen. His word is golden. Then the, no the southern tribes of Judah in 605 B.C., because of their misbehaving, they would not give land its proper rest, according to Deuteronomy chapter 22. They were supposed to, on the seventh, the seventh year, they were supposed to not work the field. They were just supposed to let the crops grow on their own. But they would till the field, till the field, till the field, generation after generation after generation, seventh year after seventh year after seventh year. 490 years they did this. And God said through the prophet Jeremiah, 
I will get my Sabbath day's rest. And he said, you will go into exile to the nation of Babylon under the king Nebuchadnezzar. And he spoke it before it occurred. Because God, he knows the end from the beginning, and he's the one who declares the end from the beginning, says the word of God. He declares the end from the beginning. He knows, and so his word is good, and it's golden, and it can be trusted. His promises are true. And in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar took over the city of Jerusalem. And it's at that time that there were three waves of exile of Israelites that went to Babylon. Daniel went, his two contemporaries, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Jeremiah remained in Judah and continued to prophesy. Ezekiel went into exile, but he stayed with the common people, and Daniel was brought into the royal house. He went to the school of the Chaldeans for three years, and he became an important person, ultimately, in the, tr- in, in the nation of Persia, or excuse me, in the nation of uh, the Babylonians. And it is there, toward the end of the 70 years of captivity that God had spoken beforehand, that he was sitting And he was reading the scroll of Jeremiah the prophet. And it's there that he realized that it was 70 years of captivity, and they were coming to the end of the years of captivity. Turn in your Bibles with me. Flip back to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. It's right after Ezekiel. Chapter 9 is right after chapter 8. Right before chapter 10. <laughs> chapter 9 says this In the first year of Darius, the son of Asuerus. How would you like that as a name? <laughs> Asuerus. <laughs> of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the book of the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. What? He realized, and he says, that he would accomplish 70 years in desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel realizes God said 70 years through the prophet. He reads it and realizes the 70 years is coming to an end. And so he prays. He prays for his city. He prays for the nation. And if you look at the very tail end of the chapter, it says in verse 20, Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplications before the Lord uh, my God for the holy mountain and my God, of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have come forth to give you skill to understand. And the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, therefore, 
Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. I'll stop there. Daniel, in about 515, no, it's probably about 537. Let me back that up. About 537, he received this word from Gabriel. 537 B.C. That God was going to deliver but from the time of the commandment to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince would be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. This is probably the most significant prophecy contained in, in the entire scripture. Now I've already referenced a number of prophecies that God made and to the day he did them. This equals 483 years. 483 years. And on a 360-day calendar, that equals 173,880 days to the day. To the day. That's powerful. God gave us the time. And the next books that we look at in Scripture are the history books. We come to Ezra because at the end of the captivity of Nebuchadnezzar, God's anointed Cyrus came in of the Persian Empire. In fact, Isaiah the prophet prophesied of Cyrus the king by name, in Isaiah chapter 45, Daniel, Josephus records for us that Daniel brought the scroll of Isaiah to Cyrus the king, unfolded it, and said, Look, you are referenced by name in here 170 years before you were born to go and rebuild. It was commissioned to Cyrus, God's anointed of the Persian Empire, to go and rebuild the temple. And so he dispatches the Israelites, Zerubbabel, and Jeshua, the priest, and they go back and they begin rebuilding. And it's during those days that Zechariah and Haggai are also prophesying because the people got a little lazy in doing the work of God. We never see that happen, do we? And so he sent the prophets to put a little cattle prod on their rear end and get them going again. Boom, boom, boom. How is it that you are working on your own houses and they're finally paneled and built, but the house of God lays in ruins? Ouch. How come you're doing your own thing and not the kingdom of God? Hmm? Hmm? There's probably a sermon in there somewhere. All right. Not this morning. I have notes. I probably should refer to them. So, Zerubbabel goes down in that first wave of the post-exilic Israelites coming back to the land. Then Ezra returns. And Ezra records this whole story. The, the first half of Ezra is Zerubbabel and Joshua. The second half is when Ezra returns, and he returns to really do a revival. It's to get the people and the children of Israel to back on track with God. And he comes to read the word of the Lord. Okay? And then it's just a short while later that God dispatches Nehemiah. It's in 445 B.C. God dispatches Nehemiah, and there are letters that are sent with Nehemiah. And in archaeological digs in Sushan, they've discovered some of those letters. But we have the record even in the Word of God. 
the first of Nisan, and he sends them out 445 B.C. We've, that begins the time clock of this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. 483 years, 173,880 days, brings us to the triumphal entry. And it's interesting on that day when the Pharisees knew what the people were doing. They were saying, Hosanna to the king. Hosanna. Blessed is the son of David. They were declaring him Messiah. And the Pharisees recognized it and they said, Hey, Jesus, you've got to shut the people up right now. Don't be quiet. He said, This day, this day, if the people will shut up, the rocks will tell on them. Because this day was the day that God had determined that Messiah would be revealed. Messiah the Prince from the going forth of the commandment to rebuild the walls and the streets in troublesome time to rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, 7-7-62. And to the day, several times prior to this, the people tried to make Jesus their king and he would slip away and say, it's not my it's not my time. But on this day, he set up the event. He said, go across to the city or to the, the streets across and you'll find a foal tied to a stake. Untie it and bring it to me. And when the owners come out and say, why loosen ye? Probably not in King James English. They said, why do you take the, why are you loosening the colt? Say, the master has need of it. He says, all right. And it happened exactly. And they took the colt to fulfill what the prophet Zechariah had said, Behold, your king cometh to you riding upon the foal of an ass. And so, Jesus comes in and the people declaring Hosanna. They were declaring he's Messiah. And guess what? Jesus is Messiah. God fulfilled it to the very day. Now listen, folks. Some of you have been waiting and believing God and standing on some promises. And you've been waiting. You're saying, God, I believe, I believe, I believe. This promise, 173,880 days, none of us are going to live that long. But there are promises that we can stand on that God will do in our lives. You see, he's proved it over and over and over and over again. His word is golden, and his promises are true. They are in him, yes, and in him, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 tells us all of the promises of God are yes in him and amen in him. How many of the promises of God? How many? How many? It's our responsibility to stand on the promises. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you are believing for a prodigal child today, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you raised your son or daughter in the fear and admonition of the Lord, they will return. Stand on the promises. Stand and believe. God said so, and that seals it. mean for you and I? 
What does it mean for you? The triumphal entry. I like the word triumphal. Jesus always leads us around in triumphal procession. That's what the Word of God says. Maybe you're here today and sin has had its way in your life. Maybe you've given in to sin. Maybe you've been in bondage to sin. Maybe you have been addicted to something. We are addictive by nature. But that's our old nature. If you're born again, the old is gone and the new has come. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. I have the mind of Christ. Wrap yourself around that. So, deliverance is ours in Jesus. Can I get an amen? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to sin. This world's systems that are governed by the prince of the power of the air, hey, listen, we have diplomatic immunity. We're not under that jurisdiction anymore, right? The Bible says our citizenship is in heaven, and it is there that we are under his rule and his reign. Not the law of sin and death, but the law of life in the spirit. Come on. And so we stand on the promises of God. When the scripture says, by his stripes you are healed, Isaiah 53 and verse 5, if you stand on the promise of God, you will be healed. Now I know God has plans and purposes, and we have to ask God how to pray. Does that make sense? We need wisdom and we need insight. And there are some things that happen in the human body that God does not heal. Now, he's accomplishing a purpose. And I don't have the answers, and I don't know why some things don't happen when we ask. And sometimes we ask with prayer. But sometimes we ask amiss. I don't know. God's in charge. He's sovereign. And when God doesn't answer the way I'm asking and believing, are you ready for this? This is hard, but it's true. We have to trust he's sovereign. We have to trust. But that doesn't prevent us from asking and believing. Ask and believe. Ask and believe. Sometimes I can't explain why he does and why he doesn't. I will tell you, God is a miracle-working God, and he still he does miracles today. He does miracles today. And so I'm encouraging us to believe he is able and he is willing. Able and willing. So, I want to encourage you again. Listen to this from the scripture. Numbers 23, 19. This is a scripture to memorize. God is not man that he should lie. He is not the son of man that he should repent. It goes on to say, and this is where I would say God is truthful. He Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? When God speaks, he will make it good. Philippians 1, 6 says this, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, he shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He shall perform it. He shall perform it. It's a good work. Trust it. Praise God. You're saying, well, I'm struggling. 
he's working good. Will you cooperate with the Lord and let God accomplish that? Let patience have its perfect work in us, yes, but let's let God have his way in our lives. Can I get an amen? That's important. What promise are you standing on today? Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, God declares the end from the beginning. They are good. His promises are good. So on this Palm Sunday, you know, in Jerusalem, in this first century, when Jesus was entering in to the city, it was the tenth of Nisan that he came riding in on the horse, or on the, on the donkey. And as he came riding in on the donkey on the tenth of Nisan, throughout the entirety of the city, the people that had made their pilgrimage, because it was required by the law for every male to pilgrimage during the time of the Passover, they had already come there, and so the, the city was already swollen, probably of another 2.5 million Israelites moving in onto the city of Jerusalem. And it is there that on the 10th of Nisan that all of the people that had come for the Passover sacrifice would obtain their lambs for the sacrifice, and the lambs would be being inspected. You see, it's on the 10th of Nisan that Jesus was being inspected, and he was found, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. Four days later, on the 14th of Nisan, he hung on a cross, and he died on the cross. The Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the earth, that he would cover and make atonement for the sin of the world. Thanks be to God for that. And it's in that, the scripture says, he bore our iniquities, he bore our sorrows. The chastisement of our sin was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Folks, let's believe God and the promises. You see, next week we're going to celebrate three days later. Three days later, the grave had no hold on him, and he came out of the grave alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's exciting, and we'll look at that next week. But today, you've got a need. Maybe you've been believing God. Maybe it's for a prodigal. Maybe it's for an un unsaved family member. Maybe it's for direction. Maybe it's for work. Maybe it's for your marriage. Maybe it's for your children. Maybe it's for a healing. Maybe it's for a diagnosis that has been given. Maybe it's cancer. I don't know. But it may be. In some cases, I do know. Maybe it's for a child. Maybe it's fill in the blank. Maybe maybe there's more month at the end of the maybe there's more month at the end of the month than there is check at the end of the I said that all wrong, but anyway, you need sustenance. <laughs> like God, I need. And you know the scripture declares that he shall supply all of your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's a promise. He'll take care of you. I don't know how he will do it, but I know he does, and I've seen it. I've lived it. I know. And so, whatever your need is, in fact, will you just simply, where you are, will you raise your hand if you have a need and just say, that's me, remember me. I'm going to invite those of you who have your hands up, will you just stand where you are right now and will you slip out and I'm going to invite you to come forward. We're going to come, and worship team, will you come back up? So slip out from where you are and just move forward. We're believing today for all kinds of needs, all kinds of needs. I'm going to invite you just to kind of squeeze in tight here, guys. Get, let's make room. Lots of people coming forward. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. What's that? <laughs> Went a little long. Come on in. Squeeze in, gang. Let's just make room. Let's make room. We're believing God. We're believing God. We're believing God.
promises of God are yes in him and amen in him. Yes in him and amen in him. I just want you to just kind of glance around. The, the whole all, There's like no room up here. Praise the Lord. This means, listen, this is faith standing right here. This is faith standing right here. Faith. Now, we're not in a position to lay hands on every person who's standing up here, but we can create a chain link fence, so to speak, and we can have a hand on the shoulder of the person next to us or the person in front of us. Pastor Dennis is here. We're going to be moving around. If there's some elders out there, you can make your way around and be praying for people just laying. Listen, we don't need to know the story. God knows the story. He knows the end from the beginning. We already heard and saw that. We know the Word of God is true. We know that everything contained in this book is true. And He will do what He says. We just read that a moment ago. He will do what He says. I'm inviting everyone to pray with us. If you want to stand, if you you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. But for everyone who is up here, we are believing God with you, and we are believing for the miracle work of God. We're believing for the natural work, that God would just work in the natural. For those of us who may have struggled with sin in our lives, and we just can't stop saying yes to sin, that God would help us, right? Titus chapter 2 says it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that brings salvation. That has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no. Some of us just need to learn, right? Yes. And so that God would help us to receive by faith so that we could say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and lusts in this present age, living upright, sober, and godly lives in this present age. So, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, as the worship team just begins to play this song behind us, we are raising up our faith, and we are simply declaring that the promises of God are yes and amen. Hallelujah. And we are standing on this Palm Sunday recognizing that, God, your word is true, and you accomplished what you said to the very day. Three distinct times you made certain that people knew that your word was golden. So, Father, we stand and we ask God for miracles in the name of Jesus. Lord, for every need represented the faith of simply stepping out from where they were and coming forward and saying, I believe, I believe. Oh, God, will you do this work? Will you answer the requests of your children? Will, God, you administrate your grace? Lord, where you have a plan, will you reveal and open our eyes that we might see so that we might pray according to your plan. But we pray for marriages today in the name of Jesus. We know, Father, that it is your purpose and your plan that marriages would prevail and be healthy and healed in Jesus' name. God, will you restore what the canker worm has come and eaten away? Lord, will you restore, will you strengthen the roots of every marriage, God? May they be, may the limbs and the branches be in full bloom. And Father, may they be like oaks planted by a river. And may their leaves even be for healing of others in Jesus' name. God, will you restore. Help, Father, for that man and that woman who may be struggling with decision. They may be struggling, God. They're just, they're giving in to temptation. Oh, God, that we would be able to say no, that we would sense the power, we would lean on your spirit, and we would say no to sin in the name of Jesus. For, Lord, those who are praying for healing in Jesus' name, we pray for little Eli right now who has that surgery coming up this coming week, and we pray, God, for complete, that, that God, you would grant the doctors the skill to finish the work 
and that his intestines would be complete and there would be no more that he would be perfectly restored in the name of Jesus and for every other healing need that is represented father we pray for cancers in Jesus name Lord wherever cancer is even metastasized and it's moved to lymph nodes we say in the name of Jesus May the cancer dissipate and be gone. Father, we pray for testimonies, even from doctors, that say we, we don't have answers. We just don't know. God, may you be glorified. May, you, may, Lord, you do the healing work. Lord, for others, we pray for the staph infection. We pray for Lee Owings right now. God, we are asking God for complete healing in Jesus' name. Complete healing. And it, just his body would be finished with that work, and he would be restored. We pray for hearts. God, we pray for all organs. We pray for uh, stomachs. We pray, God, for, uh, Lord, Lord, if it's a gallbladder or the liver or, or the pancreas, the spleen, Lord, wherever it may be, the lungs, the respiratory system. Lord, we pray for the one who has CPOD or COPD. And, God, there would be even good rest in their body. We're praying, God, for healing in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, you're able. We pray, God, for other things. I'm thinking, Father, even in the area of our psyche, God, and our, and our brains and our thinking and how we process. Lord, will you heal and restore? We plead the blood of Christ. Plead the blood of Jesus over every need. Oh, God, we pray for children. We pray for prodigals. Lord, will you send them home? Bring them home, God. Bring them home. Boys, girls. God, that they would return in the name of Jesus for your glory and for your namesake. For your glory and for your namesake. And Father, may we see it ex expedited, God. Do your work in their hearts and their lives, but Lord, will they come home. Come home for unsaved family members, God. Will you do that work? Will you do that work? Father, I pray that every man, woman, and child standing up here, and Father, in the congregation today, that you would give us a specific promise from your word to stand on. And that we would know that it is you. We would know that it is you that gave the word. Not something that we manipulated from the word of God. But no, God, we received that word in an unusual way. But God, it came to us and then you say, this is the promise I want you to stand on. <coughs> Lord, may, may you accomplish. Lord, we love you. And we praise you, and God, with gratitude, oh, with thanksgiving in our hearts, we are thanking you for what you are doing. We're thanking you for faith. Lord, will you grant us faith? Grant us faith. Increase our faith, God. Increase our faith. Lord, we pray for more of your Holy Spirit in our lives, just that, God, we would not hinder the work of your Spirit in our lives. Lord, may... May there just be more, more power realized in Jesus' name for your glory and for your namesake. Lord, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, all God's people said a strong amen. Amen and amen. Let's sing that chorus. Abigail's going to lead us in that chorus. Stand and sing. Come on, will you stand with us? Let's stay here and sing for a moment. Then Pastor Dennis will come back and close us in prayer.
this time this morning, we can say that, that we're no longer slaves, that there is freedom in you, Lord. Freedom in you. Thank you, Lord. I want to just sing that one more time through. I'm no longer... Father, for this time, we thank you for Hosanna, the King of Kings, and the word that Pastor Dave gave us, the hope, God, you are a God of perfection. You knew the day and the time, and you are trustworthy. You are someone that we know will keep your promises, even when we, we sometimes fall short. You're faithful. You're faithful. And as we go from this place this day, we ask that we would walk close with you. Bring us back safely, Father, and as we come together next week with family and friends and inviting people and letting them know that it is Resurrection Sunday and that's why we can stand. That's why we can stand. So as we leave this place, we give you thanks. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. Remember next week, Clackamas High School, invite friends. Have a great week.